0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. So you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle Podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast. Thumper Club member G4, Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro, and V-Twin club members Richard Warfield Jr. of r Dub Studios LLC, and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School. Gentlemen, as always, thank you very much for your support. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. This is episode 37, titled American Racing with Motorsports Cinematographer Gray Pham. In this episode, I had the opportunity to get to know former motorcycle racer and burgeoning motorsports cinematographer, Gray Pham. Gray started racing motorcycles when he was 12 years old and had a successful racing career through 2017, including competing in the MotoAmerica KCM RC390 Cup Series. After making it through a string of bad luck, including recovering from a major racing-related injury, Gray decided to hang up his leathers for a while and focus on starting his college career. During his first year of college, he also started playing around with shooting video at some local motocross tracks. His videos started to get a lot of attention, and in the summer of 2018, a former racing sponsor approached Gray about shooting some video of motorcycle racer Ashton Yates on his Kawasaki Ninja 400. As the saying goes, the rest was history. Gray formed his own video production company, GP Industries, and decided to put college on hold for a little while so he can devote his full attention and energy to his passion for video creation and further honing his skills as a cinematographer and visual storyteller, all of which aligns with Gray's intense passion to help support, promote, and grow the sport of motorcycle racing in America. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, January 15th, 2020 and is being published on Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. My special guest tonight is 19-year-old cinematographer and visual storyteller, Gray Pham. Gray is the founder and owner of GP Industries, which he started back in 2018, and which offers a broad range of video services for the motorsports industry, focusing mostly on motorcycle racing at this time, but also starting to branch out into other areas like automobile racing. So welcome, Gray.
1: Hey, how's it going? Pleasure to be here.
0: It is going good. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, so I, I thought let me just kind of give you a, a little bit of my background so you kind of know like where I'm coming from and you know, All with right. the podcast and whatever. And uh my, my regular podcast listeners are probably getting tired of hearing this, but I think it would be good <laughs> just to kind of set the stage. So
1: it doesn't hurt.
0: So so pretty simply, uh I started riding motorcycles three years ago, uh, you know, in my early 50s. And, um, which interestingly enough, we we're just chatting a little bit before we started recording. You're like a third my age, which I, I think is really awesome, you know, and we'll, we'll get into all the different things that you're involved in. But so long story short, uh, got involved in racing, fell in love with it. Right. I'm not racing. Got got involved in motorcycling, fell in love with it right away. Um, and, and actually I for many, many years, have been an, an automobile racing fan. You know, Formula One and, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned IMSA and Car Racing and the whole deal, a little bit of stock car racing here and there. Um, but when I once I got into the motorcycle thing, I was like, wow, let me start checking out this motorcycle racing, which I had seen a race here or there, and I knew a little bit about it, but not very much. And then just... Partly because of time and then mostly because of interest, my attention just went from auto racing to motorcycle racing, you know. So, so now the thing is, you know, MotoGP, World Superbike when I can follow it, you know, American Flat Track as much as I could follow it, you know, Moto America and et cetera. So that kind of segues into how, you know, how I got to know you. So uh, basically I, it was either well, maybe a combination, probably Facebook and or Instagram. Uh, I had seen, I think something you had posted just kind of, I think it was first, it was mention of the video series that you're doing. Um, uh, yeah. American racing. Right. And um, I, yeah, so I, I kind of had seen, oh, this thing is coming and it just caught my attention because, you know, as the listeners know, I'm a big Motor America fan and I'm very interested in doing what I can to promote Motor America and help promote just, you know, motorcycle racing in the U S and then you, you put out the teaser for episode one. I was like, wow, this is, this looks really good. So I was kind of, you know, waiting with bated breath for the, for that first episode to come out, mm-hmm. which uh, you did an awesome job. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, I think what was it about eight minutes, 10 minutes?
1: Uh, the first one was pretty short just because it was one of the first things I uh, filmed and it was, um, a lot shorter of footage. Um, so that one was almost about four minutes, but each episode started getting continually longer, eight minutes, 10 minutes, you know? Um, so as I started getting more footage and started getting a general idea of what I wanted to do with the series, um, started developing it a little bit more and started, um, expanding it to what it is now. So, yeah.
0: Yep. Okay, cool. So, but I mean, the, I, you know, I think, and, and, you know, mind you, like, I know nothing about doing videos and stuff like that, but, you know, just as simply as, a racing spectator you know and just kind of as a fan of your stuff i, I just i really like what you did with it because it was like that first one you know i watched it it definitely got my attention it's like okay i know I, I, w- I went to a youtube channel okay click subscribe you know because mm-hmm. yeah i, wa- I want to see the next ones and then a- as they go you know i've noticed they've gotten a little bit longer i like mm-hmm. the fact that at the end of each episode you introduce a little bit of what the next episode's going to be so it it works really good and you've had it on a regular schedule right releasing mondays i think right yes each yeah I
1: Monday at nine AM um, Pacific Standard. Um, it's pretty hard to make sure I get it out on time, but we're, we're, we're getting more regular with it. So
0: yeah, which which, which is really good, you know, because in podcasting, it's definitely something that's recommended. Get, getting on a regular schedule, uh, like I said, as my as my listeners will know, I I I'm not as successful at that as you are with your videos. But um, th- you know, f- for better or for worse, this is this is currently def- definitely just a hobby thing for me, and I, I know you're you're kind of just. Uh, you're going gangbusters with this thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got yeah. a lot of things you're working on and a lot of a lot of plans for the future, yes. right? Yes, yeah, of course. yeah, which which is awesome. So, I guess how like when when did you first get the idea about doing this American racing series? Like, what was the genesis of that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been in the the motorcycle racing industry for quite some time now, and as I was starting my video, uh, uh, my the the company G, GP Industries, um. We're wrapping up 2018, um, I had just gotten back from a barber uh, for the end of the season. And I was I had got some great footage, was making cool videos. I was loving it. Um, I had a client co- had me come out to Walla. completely separate event. Um, it, we were filming uh, uh, for his channel. And so I was there just getting on track footage, you know, just doing my thing. And then I noticed that my friend Brayden Ort was there. And I've been good friends with him for years. I raced against him back in Moto America when I raced, and we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, cool. So um, he was there, and I was like, hey, can I just sit you down for an interview? Because I I had been tinkering with the idea of doing some sort of series because what originally sparked the the idea was a series that Red Bull produces called MX Nation. Probably one of the best well-made documentary series that I've ever seen in relation to... um, motorsports other than like the faster series um and it, it they're i think they're in like fifth season right now and it's it's so well produced and it, it gets you very excited and wanting to see more you know i'm like excited when a new episode drops and so i was like what if i take something with this same format and apply to mode america because i'm getting all this footage but i'm producing content for you know my clients and like the teams and riders and that's it. I feel like I can do so much more with with the platform that I'm creating and the content I'm creating. So I had this this very, very baby of a of an idea that was not developed at all. I'm like, let's see what we can do with this. So I started, you know, like, maybe we'll do an episode with tune that Chuck Wallace. So obviously tune was there, or it was there. So I threw Or down for an interview, I asked him about getting ready for preseason and then we started filming and then I got some footage, and then same, I came out another time, and Bryce Prince was out there testing with Tunes, so I I got more footage, and then as I started, you know, doing a little more traveling and stuff, I went out to Jennings to film Josh Hayes, which was actually in episode two. I was filming testing with M4, and so I kind of started combining it, and that's what formed the first episode, and then as I kept doing events, and actually daytona i was not planning on doing a, a video for but it just happened to be that it was such a great trip and experience that i wanted to, to share the story behind hayes's comeback to racing and it was such a inspirational story because after he all he'd done he still can't stay away from racing so mm-hmm. um it's i started you know i like let's do an episode together i like throw some narration and then as i started going to my i'm like okay this is something we can physically like do and so, um, I just started interviewing people as I went, and so obviously, it was a lot easier to do with my clients because they already sat down for an interview. I'm like, hey, just a- answer this real quick question. So, as I started working with different teams and riders and started learning the stories, I was like, there's so much here behind the scenes, and obviously, as a racer, a former racer, I know what happens behind the scenes, all the struggles and the hardships and the stories. Right. And it's something that I wanted to show that the TV doesn't show and the interviews don't show because in the interviews they're all like, yeah, we had a great day. It was a little tough in qualifying, but we qualified here. We're looking for the race, but they don't tell you that. Yeah. I'm struggling with an injured knee. And at the same time we lost a sponsor. So we're trying to make it to all the rounds, you know, they don't tell those stories and that's what I'm here. Cause I want to show the other side of racing. And so as a season, when I started, um, figuring out the storyline for the for how I want to do it, bringing some writers back into it and and telling different stories and ultimately is something I want to carry on to a second season you know as I have a lot more of a idea of what I want with the series so yeah
0: yeah that's cool yeah I, re- I really like that that idea of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. and be- because one to your point it's something that is not like unless you know racers and you're hanging out in the paddock it's not stuff that you know the, the average fan or spectator <laughs> is going to is going to find out about or get to know about um but to me it it's just it's just interesting um because i i think you know and it's interesting that you mentioned braden ort cuz he's actually the first Motor America racer i had on the podcast um, yeah i think am seeing, yeah yeah it was just interesting how that, that came about you know it was just a thing i don't know i had friended him on facebook and one day i'm like hey you know what do you think about coming on the podcast he's like hey yeah no problem <laughs> so that yeah. was it was kind of what got me started in the whole thing mm-hmm. Um, but so my point is that I, I love all the aspects of motorcycles and motorcycle racing. I love the technology. I love the competition, but I really appreciate the people side of it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the reasons I love doing these kind of interviews like, like we're doing now is mm-hmm. to get that, you know, what, what's involved, what does it take? You know, you, you see the result out on the track, but like, what does it take to get there kind of thing? And yeah. it kind of reminds me cause I, I interviewed Kyle Wyman also, uh, not too long ago and You know, that was before, uh, you know, it was was middle, middle to get to the end of the racing season, I guess. But before he had his neck surgery Um, and it's only, you know, after he had the surgery and then he was a guest on. uh, I guess it was on the Motor America podcast Mm -hmm. where where he was talking about how much he was struggling with that, you know, during the season. Mm-hmm. um and, and like it totally totally makes sense but he's like you know hey i, I didn't want to publicize it you know i don't want to whatever i did not want yeah. people you know whatever like giving me sympathy and the whole thing and i just basically toughed it out but until i heard that interview i had no idea what the guy was going through oh, you know yeah, e- cool. even having interviewed him met him at the track and whatever so
1: yeah yeah and uh, that's something that i really want to push for a little bit more um for next season because like Obviously, I didn't really fully understand what I wanted to do in the vision until I was already starting to edit it, and so I kind of just like I I understood what was happening behind the scenes, and you'll see. I think episode seven is the most powerful one, um, which I'm not gonna drop too many spoilers, but let's just say <laughs> it. Yeah. There, there's some emo, there's an emotional interview in there, but I I I tried my best to 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 tackle the behind the scenes. And I think more than ever, I want to push that even more. You know, I'm actually going to be working with Wyman um, for for some offseason stuff and probably during the season. So I'll, he'll be in the in the series a bunch. But um, I want to one of the the, the points that I really want to push is targeting a lot of more of the privateer, you know, super sport riders. You know, the super bike riders, the ones that are really trying to pull as many strings to make it to each round and don't even know if they can make the full season because of, you know, the financial struggles with getting to these races. And so sure, more than anything I want to show that it's not all but- butterflies and sunshine, you know, with these races, as it, you know, may seem, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. And, and I, one of the things with Ky with Wyman that I respect so much is how much he works to make, his program, what it is, you know, cause he, he's a very good businessman, I believe. And I feel that mm-hmm. like he puts a lot of work in to, to make it as a privateer. And like, I know that there's a lot of people who, who, who struggle so much and I want to shed the light on w- what they're putting in to make it work. If that makes sense. So
0: no, absolutely. And, and I think th- that that's a really cool, uh, thing to do. It's a, it's a good angle to take. Cause one of my, you know, we'll see over time how successful I am. Right. But one of my goals, like I said, you know, I got into the whole motorcycling thing. I just love it. And I just want to do what I can, you know, like I said, right now it's a hobby podcast kind of thing, but, but what I can do to help get more people interested. And so I keep trying to look for ways to help people connect. Right. So early on, one, one of the interviews I did was, was with this group called the women riders world relay. So it's founded by this woman, Haley Bell, Uh, She lives in the United Kingdom. She's 24 years old, and she just got into motorcycles, loves it, and she's like, you know what? There's just not enough support and awareness of women, the needs of women Mm -hmm. in motorcycling. And so she's like, all right, so I'm going to do this thing where we're going to take a baton, and women motorcycle riders are going to take this baton around the world, like on this worldwide relay. That's cool. And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I I advise people, you know, if they haven't listened to the episode, check it out. I mean, it's a really, it's a great interview. She's an awesome, awesome person. But the point I'm getting to is like, I'm like, okay, well, so here's an opportunity for women who maybe don't ride motorcycles to connect with this person because she's not just about motorcycles. It's, it's, you know, that's part of it. That's one of her passions, but there's so much more that she has to offer. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, expose people to all these different things. Find Find an angle on which they can relate to and then maybe they go, hey, you know, this motorcycle thing is kind of cool. Maybe I should check it out, you know. So s- same thing, like like you said, you know, in terms of like the stories of, of guys like Kyle Wyman. Um, Yeah, it, it's just interesting because one of the things he said when I interviewed him was because I had made the point about how well he was doing in the series, even though he's competing against factory-backed teams like Suzuki mm-hmm. and Yamaha, whatever. And he was like, he's like, yeah, that's true. But he's like, you know what? I I never want to use that as an excuse. I never want to go, well, I'm a privateer and I don't have factory backing, so therefore my results are okay. He's like, no, yeah. I'm a, I'm a racer. I want to go out and win. So mm-hmm. so like just delete that whole thing, which I yeah. think is it's a great attitude for anything, you know, racing for sure, but anything yeah. you want to do in life, you know?
1: And that's one of the things that I think I'm excited about possibly working with him in 2020 is to watch his progress from day one when he built an entire motorcycle race bike five days before Atlanta and yep. to see him unveil the new bike and to personally go and film the first, uh, the Pentagon V4 for the first time, you know, with which I personally think is one of the most beautiful sounding bikes and looking bikes in the paddock. Yeah. Yep. And to see him develop the bike, you know over the season when he got the new electronic package when he got the new um you know all the new upgrades throughout the season to the point where obviously I wasn't at the rounds but he was you know battling for you know a podium position it you know the last couple rounds you know and it's really cool to see the progress and I know he's doing a lot of R&D over the season and I'm I'm very excited to see what he will do if he'll carry the momentum to ultimately beyond the podium and That's a story that I want to share with everyone, especially because I feel like there's a lot of that. This is one of the reasons why I feel like I'm here in this position is because there's a lot of stories that aren't being told. Yeah, no. So I want to do my part in telling the stories that aren't the factory teams while obviously, you know, sharing those stories because I feel like they are important. But I want to share the stories that no one else is talking about because ultimately that's what drives the series.
0: Yes, absolutely, and 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 I think it's kind it's kind of like the grassroots part of it. It it's the it, it's all good. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the super bikes are awesome. Obviously, super sport is awesome. But, uh, you know, I've also interviewed a couple of the twins cup guys. So Chris Bays yeah. and Robert Chiccolo, uh, Chiccolo, and uh, it, it's awesome too. Just getting their perspective and viewpoint on things. You know, these are guys that you know they rode on the street, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. Let me try the track. You know, at Chris Bays, I think he said you know, he, he did one track day and he's like, okay, I'm going racing. Mm-hmm. And, and to just see what he's doing, you know, you talk about a one, a one man, one man shop kind of thing. You know, of, co- of course he's got support, you know, he's got guys, he got guys helping with the bike and building engines and stuff, but he's got to do the whole thing. <laughs> you know, he's mm-hmm. got yeah, logistics course. and getting himself to the track and, you know, marketing and taking on sponsors and stuff. And, uh, that was one of the one of the reasons, you know, I, I sponsored him a little bit last year, you know, because I had him on the show. I was like, wow, this this I want to help this guy, you know, and plus, you know, it got me a little exposure for the podcast too.
1: So. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. But yeah, th- those those yeah, those kind of stories are really interesting. I'm I'm also curious to see what happens with Kyle Wyman. Uh, he, he's just an awesome dude, really really nice guy, and uh, like you said, you can just tell. Yeah, I I I don't think I know him anywhere near like you do. I've you know talked to him a couple times. I've never hung out with the guy, but he's a hard worker. I mean, you could I I I just get the sense he's the kind of guy the wheels are going all the time, you know. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. So. that's that's cool.
1: But yeah, so I mean, I I'm I'm excited to see what what the series will turn into. Obviously, I mean, I have series one season one planned out, you know, to the dot, and obviously I'm. I'm still take, I'm taking everyone's feedback and making sure that each episode is as best as it can be. And it's all planned out, but season two is all up in the air right now. I mean, I've got, I'm looking at, you know, 16 to 18 different events that I'm going to cover over the season. And I'm figuring out how I want to, to plot that out. And obviously I want to make it, you know, best for, for the audience. And so this is a, a great opportunity to cover the spots that everyone wants to see. And, and so, that's the beauty of this being a, a one-man production, you know. I mean, I'm doing all the the legalities, all the logistics, the marketing, the the obviously the film editing, and having the control over it because it is just me doing it. I have a lot more freedom to express what I want. So there, like, I have all these plans. You know, I want one of the big ones that I want to to one of the points I want to cover is there is a plethora of Young racers, you know, ages eight to 12 that are currently over racing in Europe and no one is talking about like, mm. no one, unless if, if you don't follow those riders over in Europe, you don't know what's happening. And I personally have been fortunate enough to be very close friends with them, and I've even coached them in the past couple years and helped them with their critique. And to see them be going over to Italy and Spain and win and and riding and podium and like improving is quite amazing, and I I still feel like it, the the media coverage is neglecting what they're doing because it's it's quite amazing to see because I mean obviously um, we have some great talent here. But when it comes to the youth, the talent is over in Spain because the 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 competition level over in Spain, especially for young riders, is unparalleled to I think anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I I respect those riders a lot. The young Americans who are over there doing work and representing our country, and it's I don't understand why there isn't more media coverage. And so that's where I come into play, and that's where I feel like I have the power to do good deeds to support them. You know, I've been working with, uh, Ovali USA a lot. Um, they make, um, very high quality Italian, um, uh, mini bikes. Mm-hmm. And so I've been just to work with them. So I think I might want to do some, some content with them for the series. Um, talk about a bunch of the kids who are, uh, moving up through the ranks and stuff. So, and obviously there's the new mini moto cup, I think with moto America. So that would be great yeah. for, for, for the kids. So, um, so it's all just about getting more more uh, media out, and obviously I'm not going to spill all the spoils with season two because I don't even know if any that's for sure. But I mean, it's all what's planned for in store. So. Right.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you, you've got me as a viewer already, so just mm-hmm. with, with that's good. So far, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, definitely.
0: So, um, so how how many of like the Moto America events did you attend so, this past year?
1: So last year um, was a little tricky just because I was a full-time student in college mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Um, so I actually only was able to do five rounds. I did Atlanta. I, I had to miss Virginia for finals, but I came back for – and obviously, code I didn't go because I, I didn't get media credentials. Um, but so I went to Atlanta Road America, and then I did the three West Coast, which was Utah, Laguna, and um, Sonoma, okay. because I'm I'm based in Southern California in San Diego, so th- those are the easy rounds for me to do. So, so I ended up doing those four rounds, and obviously I did other events too that were separate from Road America, like I did the Daytona 200. That was one of the big um, other events that I did, and that was that was a blast because there were a lot of high caliber riders that competed in there. So. um this season, 2020, I'm I'm aiming to do all ten. I have nine for sure. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear about credentials for um, Coda. But if once Coda is for sure, we're going to be covering. I'm going to be covering all all ten rounds, which I'm really excited about.
0: Oh, nice, awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I have not made all my plans yet. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I would I would love to go to every event. I just know it's not in the cards, just time, yeah. time and budget wise for me. But uh, I, I'm I'm definitely think I want to definitely go. To- <laughs> Indy, because I got to see that, you know, Motor. Oh, yeah, I'm at, so at Indy. excited! For Indy. Um, I've I've never been to card um, Lake, so I want to go there. Uh, I'm I'm thinking uh, Road Atlanta, and then Jer- Jersey is close to me because I'm on Long Island in New York, so yeah. that that that's pretty easy. And then maybe Pittsburgh. So yeah. Um, and then like, Daytona yeah. 200, I I, I definitely want to do it. Uh, like I said, I, I got to make make do the logistics and whatever yeah. but when when i saw kyle wyman at the international motorcycle show in december in new york city you know we were just kind of talking about it because that was one of the things you know yeah. i talked about we talked about on the the podcast was you know he him winning last year uh and i was like oh wow that'd be really cool he's like yeah you should come down it's like yeah that's a great idea <laughs> so yeah.
1: yeah i mean i've i've been fortunate enough to go to amazing um tracks um as far as an event goes I would have to say that Road America was probably my favorite one, just because, it, or Laguna when they had World Superbike. But um, just because the fan base at Road America, everyone there was so passionate about racing that the atmosphere was just ecstatic. You know, there were fans lined up around all of the um, fencing, you know, uh, waiting for the riders to come down to Turn Five or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like yep. I have one of my favorite shots from. All of 2019 is a slow motion shot of um, uh, Cameron Bobier, uh, Tony Elias, and Josh Heron coming into turn five. And there's kids and adults lined up all along the fence, and then there's a grandstand full of people behind, and it's one of the coolest shots ever. And so I felt that that round captured the, the American spirit best, and mm-hmm. so obviously you know moto gp and world Superbike are gonna have the biggest turnout because they're in conjunction with the world series but um as far as as for mode america only rounds i think road america was one of my favorites mm, so yeah yeah cool awesome, so awesome i highly recommend
0: yeah all right so yeah look definitely looking forward to it uh so so you mentioned you know college last last year are you still in college
1: yeah um i'm still enrolled um i'm taking a little a little little um a little time off just because I've got so much happening right now with the series. So, um, I'm still, I'm still enrolling in school. I go to San Diego state, Mm -hmm. um, sophomore right now. Um, but we're just, I'm, I'm shifting focus just a little bit right now for the meantime, while we, um, while I take on all the video stuff, um, just because I have a lot of people who are really excited to work with me, which I'm very grateful and very fortunate for. Sure. And so, so luckily, I have been given this opportunity to create a platform where I can work with great athletes, you know, like Kyle, like Cameron Bobier, you know, like all of these top top tier riders. And I, um, and so I'm just I'm decided to um just take a tad bit of time off just so I can go shift my focus. But I'm I'm still enrolled. I'm still planning on going back. So
0: yeah, yeah. Gotcha, so that's gotcha.
1: just for the meantime.
0: No, I, that that sounds, that's awesome. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I did the, you know, the four year college thing, I studied engineering, you know, four years straight up, bang, 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 which, which was fine. Uh, college is great, but it, it's, um, yeah, I, it, you know, the, to me, the thing is everything has its place, and there's nothing yeah. wrong there's nothing wrong with chasing opportunity like you know when you you see you see an opportunity, especially something you're passionate about yeah. I, there's 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 nothing like it and you know you you can yeah. you can always <clears throat> finish other things, kind of thing,
1: you know, yeah, and like for me, especially at this time in my life, I mean I have the most energy, i am at the point in my life where I'm still learning i'm starting to finally learn who I am and what my morals are and what my goals are and This, I honestly think that these opportunities haven't come at a better time, because it's right at a a shift I believe where social media is at its peak right now in terms of a business aspect and an athlete aspect. Mm -hmm. And if you have a strong social media following, you have power in the industry, and this comes to play in my hands because I am going to be the guy who provides the media for social media. So all the teams and writers who want videos and clips and little, you know, like photos and stuff to post up, I'm going to be the guy who's going to provide it to them, you know, and help them improve their social status among social media platforms. So, Mm -hmm. and it's, I personally am a very entrepreneurial minded person. So I find it very interesting, interesting this time. And obviously, I'm trying to grow my brand, especially on like Instagram and other platforms. And so, it's it's very interesting to see how this this the shift in social media power will play in the hands of those athletes who have a following. So,
0: yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because it's one of the things I've heard discussed here and there, and maybe it's been a combination because I, I also listen to uh, Greg's Garage podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And uh. And one thing that's been mentioned is, you know, when when it comes to riders, you know, because right, you get into silly season and contracts are up and whatever. It, you know, it, it's one of the things that teams will look at. You know, it's not the the only thing, but it's like, okay, that they, they've got a couple riders to choose from. You know, which rider has a great social media following, right? Yeah. Wh- which one, you know, is going to be better able to meet the needs of the sponsors and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. It it it's. It's just coming back to that thing of, you know, things just are not so simple anymore. It's like, you know, okay, there's the whole side of you want to be a top racer, right? There's the whole athletic side and being fit and having good equipment and a good bike. But then (laughs) there's that whole marketing side, too. And, you know, because right, because after all. Unless you're talking about club racing or whatever if, if you're talking about pro series whether it's motor America world Superbike whatever it's a business right and yeah, of course yeah you know, it's a business and there's marketing and advertising and and you gotta be you know be willing to play that game if you want to play at that level
1: yeah and it's 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 interesting and obviously I'm not gonna name names when I when I say this because I don't think it's very public but sure I know that there's two riders v- vying for a spot on a team and I'm not gonna say any details but sure. I know that one person on the team wants one rider but the 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 entity above them wants the other rider because of a social presence yep. and it it's an interesting you know it's an interesting gray area where you know skill and social status butt heads and then you don't mm-hmm. know what is more powerful in terms of of getting that spot and so obviously yep. like i said i'm not going to say any details i'm going to keep it very vague but it's sure. an interesting point when it comes to the, the politics with racing, and that's something that not a lot of people um, know about, and something that I, I find very interesting and want to share, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and so. it's interesting you mentioned that too because it was another interview I was listening to, and I also won't give names, but it, the, the point that was being made was it was someone who was crew chief or something like that. And the, the basic point I got out of what he was saying was when it came to the sponsors, you know, of course, the sponsors would love when the racer was on the podium and that they, you know, that that was never a bad thing, but it was more about what did the team do to activate the sponsor and bring, you know, mm-hmm. bring, bring, bring recognition and eyes and customers and interest. And, and uh-huh. that, that was the thing. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was really interesting to hear like, the, cause, cause of the strategy and, and whatever it's like to, to the, to that sponsor, that was the more important thing. Yes. You yeah. know, get on the podium if you can, but you're doing really good at this thing, and that's what we want. So,
1: <laughs> And it's you know. funny you say that because – and this is something that I've experienced several times over the last year – is that um, each team and each rider will have its specific audience. And so the, that audience may be fans of other teams, but ultimately they're following um, this team because they're fans of this team. And so I had several clients from over the past year who had me specifically record, you know, little 30-second basically um, promotional ads, you know, advertisements for these sponsors saying like, hey, um, this tool company is amazing. You should check them out. They make high-quality products that are cheap. You know, you should go um, check it out if you're interested to click the link below, and then um, you'll use this promo code to get you know, 15% off and then throw two action clips in and then throw the logo off and it's good. And I saw the personal effects of that short little 30 second ad did for that team. You know, I mm-hmm. saw, you know, thousands of dollars of equipment be show up the next day because of that ad. And so it's very interesting to see the priorities within these sponsors because they understand the value of of the prom- the promos that these these riders and these teams do for them, yeah. like you said, obviously they want them on the podium. You know, obviously they 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 wouldn't sponsor the team if they didn't see some promising um, results coming. And but it ultimately comes down to a business, like you said, everything is a business nowadays. Yeah. So
0: and and, and it's interesting, you know, with you saying that, it's it gets me thinking about because there's a lot of talk I've been hearing a lot about Valentino Rossi. Lately, right? It's like, I what, you know, bit. what? Yeah, what should happen with Rossi? I, I don't mean like like specific news or anything, but it's like, you know, is it time for Rossi to retire? And like, you know, uh-huh. he's just not the racer he was, and he's not getting the results. But a- along the lines of what we're discussing right now, like one of the things I've said, he's uh, most, a
1: social figure, he's a public a- figure, a-
0: exactly. And and so a point that I had heard was, you know, so 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 long as he's helping Yamaha sell motorcycles. Yamaha is going to keep the guy around. Right. Oh, and yeah. aside from the fact that, I, you know, I've never met the guy, right. But everything I know about him and I've seen on social media or documentaries or whatever, he's just a brilliant businessman. And, you know, he he's a great athlete and he, you know, he did his thing and he proved himself. Yeah. And now I, I think he's just enjoying himself. He's probably got more than enough money and he's got yeah. fans. And, uh, you know, why, why wouldn't you just keep going kind of thing? As I mean, long you don't, you don't have to you don't have to be winning all the time. Uh, you know, as long as his, his, uh, the public public relations is good, and he's well thought of. What the heck, right?
1: Yeah. As long as there will be Valentino Rossi flags and yellow smoke bombs uh, yeah. in the grandstands at every single race, Yamaha will keep him as long as he wants. Yeah. Regardless if he's not the same rider, as long as he's got a fan base that are support him, like they they still do and they have over the past decade or two, they're not they're never gonna get rid of him because he's too much of an asset, you know. Sure. Yeah,
0: you know, it's interesting too because you know, let's say people of my generation, like I, I, look at the guy, I give him credit for being what is he forty years old, forty one years old now, Something like that, ri- riding a super bike. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean, like i like a, a prototype bike.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm just impressed that the guy gets out there and does it every two weeks. You know, so yeah. Um, yeah so and, and maybe so maybe that just gets to that point of different audiences, right? So okay, maybe you know, for young people who didn't grow up around valentino rossi maybe it's like uh, what's the big deal you know why is this old guy racing a motorcycle mm-hmm. but there are people you know that can appreciate him and what he's yeah, doing
1: yeah
0: so uh maybe let's, let's let's talk a little bit about your racing background mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah. I, actually yeah. it's kind of interesting because i i don't know maybe i was just looking at your website or something and at some place i came across I, I hadn't realized but totally makes sense that you've got some background racing
1: yeah um i actually have quite a a pretty juicy background in racing so um i didn't realize it's been this long but so i started riding in uh nine years ago i didn't realize it was that long um i was 11 years old um my parents dragged me out to the moto gp event at laguna seca um as (laughs) as i make that sound it wasn't that bad um and so obviously it I, I, my parents had got me into it when I was younger, when I was, you know, four, got my first bike when I was six, but I ended up hating it, which is ironic. So we sold it. Um, and you know, I just carried on my life as a normal kid. And then when I was 11, my parents dragged me to, um, Laguna Seca and I, I fell in love with it again Mm -hmm. and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so, and so we were walking around the, um, the, the vendor vendor row, vendor alley and we found one of my, my dad's old friends. Um, and so they were doing a mini moto, um, series. And so they were doing like, a um, uh, like classes and stuff sort of. And so I ended up coming out and I, um, tried a mini uh, pocket bike for -hmm. the first time and fell in love with that. I was having the blast. I was having the best time of my life. And so we literally picked up one on, on my way home and started racing then. And so it was, it was a fun thing at first, you know, I was, riding here I was racing here and there you know it's just a little fun thing we do it for fun um I was having a blast I was loving it and so I uh, you know over the years I kept moving on went from one pocket bike to the next and I was on NSR 50 then I was racing with a bunch of friends and it wasn't until about 20 end of 2013 beginning of 2014 that we realized that I kind of had something going you know obviously I want to stay humble but um I was fortunate enough to have some people behind my back that were helping me Coach me here and there, making sure that I was getting in all, I, I credit majority of it to my dad because he had the right people in his corner to um make sure that he had good skills and good practices behind him. And he passed majority of that down to me. And he had the philosophies down to the nail where he was able to teach me the right practices. And obviously, as I met new people in the industry, they taught me other practices. And I took portions here to create my own racing philosophies. But 2014 was the first year where I actually had I was very competitive. Um I was racing in the M1 GP series um on the NSR50 and so um I was doing very well. Um I was uh, winning quite a few races. Um I was getting very competitive and and obviously and that's when I started to see something. I was like this is actually pretty good. Obviously I didn't think anyone would come about I was like oh this is just be fun. You know, I'm I'm winning here, I'm racing I'm going pretty fast and so 2015 was the catalyst to my racing career because that's when moto America was announced i had just moved up to an rs85 we were just going to say a thing about just working it up you know for fun mm-hmm. and then that's when they announced the RC cup which was uh, uh, an yeah. entry-level class for kids that were my age who were above slightly above the rest you know a little above average pace wise and they they were inviting kids around the country to come in and buy one of these bikes and race it and so we had a long discussion with my parents we were like you know what let's do it we got a few other riders and friends of ours who are going to do it too that were my age and and so we got the bikes we went out to autoclip speedway we tested them you know um it was it was a completely different bike because was the first time i rode a four stroke because i've been two, on two strokes the entire time and so um hop hopped on the ktm it's bone stock for the, for the, the, the spec race bike, it was bone stock. still had the, the Pirelli street tires that it came with, we didn't even put race tires on it. And so, um, we started riding and just did a few testing here. And then we, I missed the first round for, I think, school. And so my other, we, we formed a little SoCal KTM cup um, team, it was like four of us and so everyone else went out to Road America. I miss Road America and I'm not upset because it was raining and cold. But <laughs> um I made it to the second round in um at Barber. And um and obviously it was a rough it was it was a learning curve because it was the first time I had come up against riders that were this caliber of level. You know, these were the best kids in the country. Right. And it, it took it definitely took a learning curve. Um you know, I was. I think I, I my best finish at Barber was a twelfth place out of twenty, like four riders, which isn't bad at all. It was very, very good for, in my opinion. And um, um, Utah, obviously, I struggled a little bit, and I had my second major industry injury, broke my column. But um, so so twenty fifteen was a learning curve. Twenty sixteen, um, kept up with it. Um, did a second season of Motor America. We didn't do all the rounds, but we did majority, and so. Um, just kept racing, you know. I was meeting people in the industry and stuff, and um, you know, all the other riders' teams, and I was making you know lifelong friends. I was having a blast, and so we kept, kept riding, and um, Laguna came around, and that was the first time that I actually showed legitimate pace in the series. And because before then, I was you know just outside of top 10, you know, I was battling mid pack, you know, it wasn't wasn't anything that showed anything special you know and laguna came around and i was i battled my way up from like 10th place to the point where i was battling for fifth and this was the first time that i showed that i was showing legitimate pace you know especially Mm -hmm. at a professional level like mode america yeah and um and so after 2016 is when we start kicking gear like okay this 2017 is gonna be a year See, last year before I go to college, because I knew when I went to college, I was probably going to stop so I could focus on school. And this is when we start kicking things gear. You know, I was training harder than I ever was before. I would do – I would ride th- two to three times a week. I would ride uh, every Wednesday for 30 minutes doing cone drills on my street on a little mini dirt bike. Um, and then we'd go to the track one to two times over the weekend. And then I would work out three times in the gym. Per the week, and I was training harder than I ever had because I was extremely determined to make sure that I performed well because I knew that some of the faster riders were moving on to higher things. You know, they were graduating from the class, and then mm-hmm. new riders were coming in. And so I knew that this was my best opportunity, right. and this was the fastest I've been, the most competitive I've been. And so we went into the twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen Winter Series, and we we're like, Motor America's changing their their um their rule book. So we're going to unrestrict my KTM because before then, up until then, I was doing, um, CVMA, which is the, the, the local, um, uh, club racing series at Chuck raceway. And it's right. very popular for winter testing among the teams, you know, tunes out there all the time. you know, mega. And so, so I was, um, doing winter, I was training basically during the winter season. So we would go out there and race on the spec KTM cups, which were bike cup bikes, which were fairly restricted. We had a lot of restrictions on it. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, okay, you know what? 2016, 2017 winter season. We're, we're restricting this thing. Not fully. We still kept the motor sealed, but we took, we, we swapped tires. We put slicks on, we, um, we swapped suspension. You know, we, we do quick shifter on, we, 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 we do an exhaust. We really made this thing competitive without altering the motor still stock motor. Right. And this was, this was when I finally was showing that my worker was paying off and, and it ended up being my most successful season. And I don't like, to, I'm not really bragging about this. I just find this a funny story. The very first race of the season, I kind of got my nerves got to me a little bit. Cause I jumped the start mm, Okay, <laughs> and they gave me a five second penalty. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. So yep, yep. I'm like, okay, here we go. Time, time now or never. So, I guess my, I was a lot more competitive than I expected because I put the hammer down and I think I got a 12 second gap to second place. And I, I thought I was just going, you know, my normal pace. I'm like, okay, I'm gapping them. Good, good. You know got a two second gap or something or wh- or whatever it was. Yeah. And I come in, my parents like, you just broke the lap record. I'm like, huh?
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> You're saying what? <laughs> and so that was, that was, that was a huge confidence boost for me. And so, um, so I finished off the weekend gray. We got a bunch of, you know, wins. And that was when I started um, to start to really see pace and, and improvement in myself from the past years. And so um, obviously we had some setbacks. I had one of my biggest um, injuries um, at the second round. I was coming out of a corner going by 80 miles per hour and I hit the edge of the track and went into a full-fledged tank slapper and, it was a gnarly crash. Broke my collarbone for the third time. Um, had a very bad concussion, and that one, that one was really hard to recover from. I'm not going to get into the details because they're pretty personal, but it, it took a little bit to recover from that. But I came back. I came back. Finished off the season strong. I, I got three championships. Um, a, a lot of uh, wins and podiums. So I, it was it was a sign that I was ready for 2017. So um came in 2017 more competitive i ever been it was the best feeling i had ever been um uh utah we're not gonna talk about because i don't like that track and i knew to do so well but we're gonna just forget that happened but <laughs> fair, fair uh, enough <laughs> laguna was was is one of my favorite tracks and i came into there and it was the most competitive i had been um i the the, the best feeling of my career was for free practice one coming out of the front train looking over and see P one on the the board. I was like, yes. Nice. So um I qualified fourth. Um I was running front runner pace, you know. Um and so uh I was battling for second, finished fourth, which I was really upset about. And then Sonoma was was my most competitive. Um I was first um for a majority of the first two sessions. Um I was provisionally qualified second until I had a big high side, which ended my weekend, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but that was the, the, that was the, the kind of like the closing stages of my racing career. So we moved up to an R six, did a couple of races. wasn't too bad, but it came to a point where I was like, um, had a lot, a string of bad luck. And you know? I was like, you know, I think it's time to shut, shut the doors for now. Um, I got college coming up soon. Um, and I I think I'm ready to to start decompressing before I get ready for college. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. winter 2017 closed doors, sold the bike. Um, I still ride every once in a while. Um, I still have my mini. We go riding out at the track all the time just to shake cobwebs off. Um, um, but after I stopped racing, I I um I was taking some time off, and so I started going out to the local motocross track. Was just filming for fun, you know, not doing anything crazy, and then um. Summer of 2018 had a former sponsor hit me up. He was like, "Hey, are you still doing videos?" I'm like, "Yeah, here and there." And he's like, "We want to hire you to go film Ashton Yates ride our Kawasaki Ninja 400 at Laguna. Do you want to do it If we get you passed I'm like, sure. And that's what started GP Industries. So
0: ah, uh, nice. Okay, awesome. That, that that that's an awesome transition.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was very seamless, which was beautiful. I had just enough time to get to decompress from stopping racing. And just enough time to prepare for this next venture in my life. Um, And it was a beautiful way that I was able to stay in the industry. Because, I mean, after racing, I had no plans on what I wanted to do after that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, something I had to take up my time after racing. Because that was my life for six years. And then I had to figure out what else I was going to do. Because I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing, obviously. Right. But it was... It was probably one of the best experiences of my life, and I—it's something I'm very proud of. Just because I had a lot of um, accomplishments, I had personal accomplishments, and the biggest thing for me is how much it matured me as a person. Because, I mean, I—I I have a much more mature and professional mindset than a lot of people my age, just through experience and stuff. And and even like when I first started racing, because I started. S- I started when I started. I was a lot older than a lot of people who I was racing against, and the people who are my age were a lot farther down the line. Mm-hmm. But because I started later, I was able, I was a lot more mature and I was able to adapt faster and get faster quicker than a bunch of people. So by the time we went to the first time in America, the guys who I was, you know, teammates with and racing with, when I first started riding, they had already been riding for three years. Right. So um, I was able to adapt. And so um, it was it was beautiful six years and it really matured me as a person. And it 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 humbled me to all the experiences that I made, you know, so um, and obviously the film business furthered it even more. But it was it was really exciting to experience. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. dude. (laughs) you think you'll ever go back to racing like even like club racing or is that kind of that that chapter is done
1: um i i am open to it honestly um the the last couple years were pretty stressful on me personally i think the commitments were pretty strenuous just on like my personal life and stuff and so Mm -hmm. i don't know if i would take on moto america or professional league i for sure will do track days and yeah. i'm sure i'll end up doing um club racing but for now um i am just sticking to minis you know because mm-hmm. minis are it's you know 50 dollars to go ride and i can go ride all day and I can go yeah. ride with my friends and have fun you know i was sure a couple of weeks ago i was out at the track and i was battling with josh heron when he was on his oval, ball and i was on my 65 you know <laughs> we, we nice. were tussling and stuff and wheeling on the back straight you know we were banging bars oh. so I, I still have, still have the same thrill of racing, yeah. But I can do it on minis for a lot cheaper. You know, I'm not spending $250 to go out of track. So, sure. um, sure. so it's it's just an easy way for me to get back out on the bike. You know, shape, keep keep the dust off. You know, so yeah, that's um, awesome. It, it it's a it's a possibility. It's not something I'm actively looking at. I've got a lot of plans in the future. Um, that I want to put my focus on for
0: yeah. now. Okay. So, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, do Do you ride
1: on the street at all? Ironically, I do not have my street license.
0: Okay, I have a. No, no. I had
1: a. I had a professional race license, but I do not have my street license. Uh, that, so
0: many many racers are that way. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Either either because they just kind of grew up on the track, and that's what they know, or they road street and then they start doing the track and they just kind of leave the street behind, you know, for I think combination of things, one, because the challenge, you know, they just enjoy the challenge of the track more. And, and two, uh, you know, I think once people are doing track, it's like, yeah, this is where I can get my adrenaline rush, you know, trying to do that on the street too dangerous. So let's leave that behind. So that's
1: for, interesting. Yeah. For, for me, it's more about, I, like you said, I already got the rush of my track. I have, I've had my, my plenty plentiful hours on the bike um yeah. i see the road is too dangerous for for me to personally ride because mm-hmm. i'm sure i'll be very safe on the street i'm a very safe driver yeah. but i just know how unpredictable people on the road are and i don't want to risk my life being on a, on a motorcycle on the street when i can just go out on the track and ride especially when i that's where all my experience is and that's where my passion is yeah because i if you at, like if you ask me and you ask many of the other ra- riders if you ask any of us would you rather ride on the street or the track there's a good chance we're all going to stay on the track just because that's where our passion is that's where our skills are you know yeah. um obviously riding on the track is going to help you tremendously on the street but it takes a different set of skills and reaction on the road sure. that um I just I prefer to go right on a track or on a road where I don't have to worry about cars pulling out in front of me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And me like on
1: track I don't have to worry about that. So Yeah.
0: It, it it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because you know one one, one of my plans for this season is I, I actually I'm signed up with California Superbike School so I'm going to do mm-hmm. their their two-day Great camp. Organization. You know. Yeah. I've never ridden on the track before. I did interview Keith Code, which was, which was awesome. So I'm looking forward to meeting him in person. Um, but basically it's that thing of, I want to be able to just get into an environment where I can focus on the riding and not have to think about all that stuff you just mentioned. Cause for sure, like I I really enjoy riding on the street, but, but that's what I know. You know, if, if I had learned to ride on the dirt, yeah, I'm sure I would love that. If I had learned, you know, kind of started like you on the track, that probably would be the thing i was doing um but but just to be able to focus on me my technique the bike and and not like you know who's jumping lanes and who's talking on their cell phone and all all that kind of stuff so i'm i'm curious to see for myself i i believe i'll continue street riding but i'm curious to see like after i've had that experience and maybe do a couple track days who knows I, i may go the same way and go you know what when i ride motorcycles it's gonna be on the track and and put put my attention on that but so we'll we'll see we'll see at the end of uh, end of 2020 how it looks yeah
1: yeah i i mean regardless if you want to ride on track or not i feel like you should do it at least a few times just because the skills you gain on there are amazing when it translates to street like i had a buddy who got a bike and he was riding on the, in the canes and stuff. And obviously, he was safe. But he wasn't pushing, but I dragged him to the track. I'm like, "Look, I'm going to force you to learn the right way. You're not going to use rear brake. You're going to use, um, you're going to use um, front brake only. I'm going to teach you the proper lines, proper right. body position, so you can get your knee down, so you can be safe when you go on the road." And the tra- his transformation from the beginning of the day to the end was amazing. And so it was a safe environment for him to learn the fundamentals of riding. And ever since then, he's been way better on the street. You know, he's been more responsive. He's been more in control of his bike because he's, you know, he's got a big bike. He's got a 750. He just got a RSV4 too. So okay. Um, um, it was, he learned a lot of valuable skills. And that's why I say, like, at least once go to the track and learn the proper technique of riding. That way, when you go to the canyons, you know, you're not dragging your peg and about to run off the road, you know? Yeah. So, so I I definitely support your decision to go and try to do that.
0: Yeah, I I think it'll be a ton of fun. You know, I really I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So so uh, it sounds like you <laughs> like you've done a little instruction on the track here and there.
1: Yeah. So um yeah I so I have worked actually. So I've obviously taken classes at several organizations. You know, California Bike Schools. One yep. I've gotten personal instructor instruction from several mentors and stuff, but. One of uh, this, this mainly happened in my last year of racing. One of the big things that I did was uh, I did a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. Part of it was with an organization called Track Days, T-R-A-C-K-D-A-Z. Okay. Um, they're a track company out in California. I, I They were sponsor, a long sponsor of mine. Um, I ran their, their beginner group um, classroom sessions. I helped run those. So we would um, teach the basics of, you know, how track day works you know for first timers um uh, the basic rules of the flags you know proper entry and exit procedures you know lines to make sure everyone's safe and then we would you know go ride the street bikes out there and and lead you know um groups of them out and show them proper lines you know make sure that they know what they're doing and then after we would go one-on-one and if people asked us for help i'd show help them show proper lines and stuff and so it was obvious it's obviously very humbling but it also helps you remember the basics of riding, which sometimes you forget once you get into racing for too long. Um, so I did. I did a bunch of that. And I helped a bunch of you know all different levels of riding. And then one of the things that I did a lot, or not a lot, but I, I did a few times, and I was um, very happy with this. Is um, I provided free um, training, you know, um, uh, lessons and classes. Um, just a local mini track for kids. So oh, cool! all the kids that were coming up in the local area, you know, Southern California, I would have them come out to the, to the local car track and I would take my bike out and then I would do, um, lessons, you know, just teach them basic lines. And, and those are the kids who are now racing in Europe, you know, they're racing in Spain, Italy. Um, one of them just won, um, two of them actually just won flat track championships, um, at the, the, the junior level. And so, um now one of them is way faster than I am and it makes me upset. <laughs> but, no, you
0: know, um, but that's funny, but right, that that's the ultimate success of the of the teacher, the right? Thing, is, you know, yeah,
1: when yeah. I'm coming into the corner and I'm trying to outbreak him and instead he outbreaks me and backs it into the corner, <laughs> it kind of gets me a little irked. But um <laughs> sure. you know, so it, so I would just teach them the basics and I did a couple of times and, and I wanna do it again, I just need to make sure that if I have time to do it, but it yeah. was it was one of the most um humbling experiences that you can do, and I suggest any other racers who have experience to go out and reach out to new riders and help them with little basics, you know yeah. um and so obviously, I'm always open to helping people and I've helped plenty of other riders throughout the deal um throughout my um career, you know, with lines and stuff and I mean, I work with riders here and there, but those were my main coaching experiences so Um, and I'm, I'm pretty good with new people and working with new people and I know how to communicate pretty well when it comes to the fundamentals and and how to help them. And mostly I'm, I'm a very good observer so I can see what, when someone's doing something wrong. So, um, so I've, I've helped quite a few writers, you know, do one-on-ones and stuff. So it's pretty cool.
0: No, that, that's awesome. It must be really rewarding too to you know have, have trained some of these kids and then follow yeah. their careers and oh, had, you know, win, win, winning races and championships. And uh, that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah,
1: And it's awesome to see them take what they had, help them improve it, and then to see them representing our country, especially I, yeah. I really push for these kids who are over in in Europe, you know, Chris and Daniel Jr., um, RG Cardenas, uh, Max Toth is a huge one. He's representing us and Italy right now. And so those kids are insanely fast. And so it's really cool to not be able to keep up with them anymore. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, before uh, before we start winding it down, you want to talk a little bit about your your kind of plans for the future, like with GP Industries, you know, any other video projects or, you know, cinematography. So cinema t- c- how do you say? Cinemat- Cine- cinematography. Yeah, no, cinematography, but it would be cinematographic. or Okay, whatever. I don't know. Whatever it
1: is. I don't know. <laughs> it is, I don't yeah,
0: know. M- movie making, video making. Um, yeah, so, yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, the plans in the future, I can't quite, quite predict what's going to happen because if you asked me two years ago two months ago i would not tell you that the things i had planned for 2020 were the same yeah um obviously this coming year i'm getting into several new um series i'm getting into um to imsa which is the american um, endurance car championship you know Mm -hmm. with all the cool among cars and gt3 cars Um, i'm working on a deal trying to get um credentials for sebring 12 hours Oh sweet! Um, then obviously I'm I'm doing a couple rounds of Flat Track. I'm working with a few writers trying to try get promos done and stuff. Um I uh, I'm doing all of all mode America right now, or I'm I'm planning on it. There's yeah. one round that we're still working on, but um, and then there's other TBDs, but we we'll just say I'm working on a Europe trip right now. We're mm-hmm. knocking out a few series up there, but we'll see. Um and so um so right now twenty twenty is my focus because I got a lot of things to plan. You know, I'm I'm nailing down my clients for twenty twenty, which eventually I'll i announce. Sure. Um but the ultimate angle, you know, three to five years down line. I mean, I wanna be the be- I wanna be the top motorsports videographer in the world. You know, I wanna be the guy that the factory Kawasaki World Superbike team comes to when they need preseason testing promotional stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanna mm-hmm. be the guy who you know, uh, Mercedes Formula One team comes like, hey, we need content to be produced, you know, um, at our test in Catalonia for winter stuff. You know, I want to I want to be the guy that all these teams reach out to. And so as of right now, just building my portfolio and, and networking with as many people as possible. Um, obviously, it's a huge goal and it's a huge um, strides that I have to make to make sh- make sure that this goal is reached. But, I mean, the amount of steps that I'm taking, obviously I don't have a set plan for it, but the amount of of leaps from last year to this year, and even from 2018, is, is kind of crazy, you know? I've been able to take this thing, which originally was a hobby, and turn it into a full-fledged business, and so... um more than anything i love the business itself you know running the 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 logistics sides of it you know dealing with clients and and organizing schedules and booking flights and traveling and all that stuff is is what mm-hmm. really drives me so
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 the 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 heart of it is just helping other people grow their brands i think that's a big thing is is more than a business i see myself as as someone who's helping all the other teams and riders you know
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's just so interesting because like all the different things you've talked about, you know, like, you know, volunteering and helping young riders, like all, you know, you know, helping someone improve their skills on the track, you know, to me, yeah. all these things are important aspects of continuing to build the industry you know and 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 whether it's motorcycling as a hobby which is mostly what I do or the the, you know the professional business Mm -hmm. side like the racing and all that kind of stuff so that that's really cool I think too and you know what you mentioned about enjoying all the the logistics and stuff I think is it's it's good like that 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 probably is a very helpful thing for you right because some people they do it but they kind of they they don't they kind of decide they don't like it or they're not willing to kind of take it as a fun part of it. And so it becomes a drag and then it's, you know, it, it's much better if you can approach all these things and go, wow, this is all good. This is all fun. I'm enjoying all of it. Yeah. I, I think you just enjoy life more and things go smoother for you. You know.
1: So. Yeah. And, and I think this, I'm more than a video maker, filmmaker, cinematographer. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always trying to find ways to, to, bring my my video game my video level to the to the next step you know the next tower you know like i literally just invested um several hundred dollars into new equipment to 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 bring in new effects that no one has seen in my videos you know in, in videos before like i just dropped a video earlier today of a, one of my friends who's a very fast upcoming amateur he's already signed to factory team when he turns 16 18 whatever it is and we did a video where I took my normal, you know, my normal shots, and then I did a transition to a POV GoPro shot. I got a Hero A, threw it on his chin, and it's exactly what he sees. Mm-hmm. And it's a shot of him coming up to jump and throwing, you know, a scrubber or a whip, and it just it like almost seamlessly fades into his POV of him wow. doing it. And nice. you don't, you never see that in video. Mm-hmm. You know, I just started got a drone. And in every almost every video, unless if it's a racing drone, it's an upper video, upper shot of wherever the track is. And so, yeah, I got the shot, but I also got a side shot going the same speed as him as he goes over a jump. You know, I'm trying to find ways to innovate the game because ultimately, if you want to stay relevant, you have to elevate and change yeah. and adapt.
0: Yeah. Sure, 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 sure.
1: And yeah, so, oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, no, I was gonna say it, it's interesting too to just see, you know, because I think right the the fourth episode, right of mm-hmm. of your American yeah. Racing is what came yeah. out Monday. So, yeah. I mean, I, I've even seen like how your, you know, I mean, the first one was awesome. Like, and and yeah, you know, I I will continue to promote your videos and you know Thank do what you. I can to get my listeners to watch they, They're they're really excellent. Just they're just fun to watch. They're very informative. Yeah. They're very well produced. But yeah. you know, I, I've even seen from the first one you know how things have evolved you're 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 finding new angles <laughs> new new shots new transitions like the the, yeah. the one i was watching today you know i saw you it was really cool the effects you had like the little lightning bolts you know around the motorcycle fairings and yeah you know riders heads with flames coming out and you know, yeah stuff like that It was it, it's like little little kind of stuff but it, it just it's something i hadn't seen before it mm-hmm. gets your attention and it, it like keeps you interested
1: you know yeah and a lot of that is is just the way that I film the season and a big part of what I think determines and, and labels me as a cinematographer is as I kept filming these events and getting more experience with my equipment and camera and, and just the way I edit, I learned to storytell that's the biggest thing. And so as I learned to storytell, my shots changed the way I shot changed. Mm-hmm. and the way I edit changed because I edit based on how I get my shots and I get my shots based on how I want to storytell. Right. So as I start to get more experience, my videos are going to get better over the season because I got more experience about how I want to film, you know, and yeah. it's, it's going to keep going like that until I until I stop, you know, it, each episode of 2020 is going to get even better as I start learning new effects, new tricks, new settings that make my videos even better. And so it's it's never going to not stop improving. That's one of my goals is that every video I make it needs to be better than the last one. Mm -hmm, whether i throw in a new effect a new transition a new element to it um if i edit a certain beat differently you know there if i if i muffle like the sound on this one thing as i slow down whatever it is i need to make sure that i'm elevating my game because if i don't change and a lot of i see a lot this happen a lot of times with filmmakers and editors is they more or less get lazy Mm -hmm. And they do the same thing over and over and over because they all want to innovate. And eventually people get tired of it. They're like, I don't want to watch the same video. I want something different, you know, because people not to like bag on them or something, they don't have very large attention spans. So unless Mm -hmm. if it's something new and engaging and exciting, you're not going to catch anyone's attention. attention. And so that's something that I, I really strive for is to really change up what I'm doing because i want to make sure that people keep coming back you know
0: sure sure definitely. and
1: so um and so that's so obviously um i kind of i kind of lost track of where we we're going but well you know
0: um, it, i'll say it's interesting because listening to what you were just saying about constantly wanting to up your game you know i, I think to me that, that that's that's a sign of a professional right Is is someone yeah. who constantly is pushing the envelope Mm-hmm. you know testing themselves finding new ways to do things and i i think it, it's interesting because i think it's very much the mentality of a successful racer yes. right B- because mm-hmm. you know if 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 you're competitive if you're about winning then you're constantly you know looking to be the best you can be yeah. which means work out harder you know find smarter people learn more like all these things i right? constantly yeah. improve the bike what can i do here what can i do there how can i take yeah. this turn better and and I, you know, I think in large part it's what keeps life interesting is when when people are able and and they're willing to do that.
1: You know? Yeah, there, there is there, like that's that's the big thing I think, and there's there's a few exceptions where having the same the same style over and over works. Um, a great example is Brian J Nelson. He shoots all the editorial mm-hmm. photos from Motor America, Road Racing sure. World, yep. and it's because his stuff is so good. Yeah, And it's so picture perfect that he doesn't need to change anything. You right. know, his pictures will always be on the dot and perfect that if he changes something, it may be bad for him, honestly. Sure. Because and, and he, that, that's he gets where hired. I, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, sorry to cut you off there. But I, I think like the, the the thought I had as you're talking about that is it's kind of the difference between branding like what's part of your brand and and how do people identify you which is one thing right and so you establish that brand and you need to keep that consistent and then there's the other side of then what what's what's the parts that you can innovate without like affecting your brand or or without tarnishing your brand
1: yeah yeah Yeah, no, it's and i think it it really i think part of it is you have to establish who you are especially as a photographer or filmmaker yep and then once, you, once people know who you are, they've, they've heard about you, they heard your name, you've seen your work and stuff. And then they keep seeing, you know, different transitions that work. And they're like, whoa, this is sick. What is this? I, did I miss something? Yeah. Uh, it, there's, there's little hints and stuff that keep them engaged. And that's when innovating really keeps them engaged, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. 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 So.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so. All right, so um, what? Uh, well, like I said, I I will continue to do what I can to promote what you're doing, you know, Facebook and the podcast yeah. and and otherwise. Uh, what what is the best way for listeners to to contact you if they want to like reach out or have questions or you know even want to want to hire you for some stuff?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I'm on I'm on all the three major platforms: YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, not Twitter. Um, I try and stay off as many. I don't like going on on social media that much because it 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 keeps me distracted distracting, so. i hear you yeah yeah, so um instagram is grayfam two forty one um g r a y p h a m two forty one um you can literally type that in the url for facebook and youtube it's the same thing but um g p industries on on both the other platforms um also on linkedin if you want to find uh, uh find me on there um and then obviously, if you want to um get in contact with me. My emails on um Instagram and Facebook, but other than that, it's GP241 Industries at Gmail dot com. Um, I'm always open to new, you know, projects. I mean, I'm 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 working on a few really cool projects right now with a few um uh, few potential clients. So that'll come out next few months. So um I mean, I'm really just trying to help the industry and in the series and, and the sport as best as I can, you know, while also Providing exciting and engaging content because ultimately I want to widen the fan base and bring in more people into support. That's yeah. the end goal, you know. Awesome, so awesome,
0: and and that that's why that's why I've really enjoyed interviewing you tonight because like, it, you know, what you're doing is in a a much bigger way and a much bigger uh sphere of influence, I think. But it yeah. it, it, aligns, it aligns with what I'm what I, what, what I'm doing for my little neck yeah. of the woods. So yeah, yeah
1: I'm sure that's we awesome. all appreciate that. So yeah. so that's awesome
0: cool um so i will in the 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 notes like the show notes for the podcast i'll put all your links and stuff so people can easily easily find it and uh any uh any closing thoughts before we
1: end off uh no um every monday 9 a.m pst (laughs) go check it out yes listeners
0: go to go to his youtube channel subscribe the the videos are excellent check them out yeah we got four
1: more episodes for the season then um we're just i'm gonna i'm gonna try and I I'm kind of I'm I'm happy but I'm upset because before the series dropped I didn't have a huge following on YouTube but now I'm it's it's starting to grow so I have to actually post on there now so um so I'm going to yeah. try and post after movies from each of the events just a little like 3 minute spiel with a bunch of action for people to watch so yeah. I'm going to try to be a bit more active on all my um social media accounts so I can um keep the the followers engaged so um follow me on all the all the platforms to keep good um content I think Instagram is my most active as far as posting content. Um, Getting into photography a little bit more, so I'll have a photography account up and running soon. But until then, um, keep enjoying my content, I guess. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely.
0: And, and so, so actually, so your, your videos you've been posting on Facebook, I guess, right? Like I or... post
1: on all three content uh, platforms. So I post all the episodes are on Facebook Watch on mm-hmm. my GP Industry page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on IGTV on my. Instagram, great fan two forty one, and yes. it's also on YouTube and on uh, okay. GP Industry. So it's on all gotcha. three platforms just to make it easy. It's weird because calculating views, you have it's like one platform will do really good this time, and then <laughs> it'll do really bad on one platform. But the other episode, the platform i just did bad on, it did really good one, and vice versa. So it's like really weird, but I mean I make sure that it's available on all platforms just so it has as much reach as possible. So yeah. And if you have a preferred platform that works, you know, if you, if you're on the go and you're on Instagram and you just want to watch it quickly, that's an easy way. Otherwise Facebook watch works too. I mean, it's, I wanted to make sure it's as available as possible, you know?
0: Yeah. No, good. That's great. Yeah. I love YouTube because I I commute to the city, you know, two hours each way. So I just download my videos and then I can watch, I don't need a signal, you know, I can just watch on the subway or whatever. So yeah, exactly. So work that works out. That works out. Great. All right. Well, listen, Gray. Uh, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for for joining yeah, me tonight. I, uh, I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy it. Um, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll definitely it'll be awesome to meet up in person. I'm sure yeah. one, one of the races. I don't know whether it's Daytona or a Motor America race or something like that. You know, we'll we'll figure that
1: out. Yeah, we'll we'll stay in touch for sure. But I mean, I appreciate being on. It's been awesome. I appreciate the support that everyone's been giving me. I mean, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, some constructive criticism, but. Overall, I think the 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 people have been receiving the series very well. So I'm excited to see what else we can produce. So yeah,
0: good, awesome. So listen, good luck with everything, and uh, hang tight. We'll chat a little bit after we shut it down. But uh, I will say
1: good night. All right, thanks, appreciate it. Yep, my pleasure.
0: Thank you once again to Gray Fam for being a guest on the show. I had a lot of fun doing the interview and learned quite a bit. Be sure to check out the podcast notes for this episode where you'll find all the links to his social media and to his video documentary series, American Racing. Whether you are already a racing fan or not, check out the videos. They are very, very good. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to to SoYouWantToRideAMotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride or find the links on my website or again in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thupper Club where I will list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs, where I'll include your photo and biography, as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride.